This program is a part of the Full Press Radio Network. Find this and all of Full Press Coverage's shows on fullpressradio.com or free on the Full Press Coverage app, available now on the Apple and Google Play stores. Hey, this is Rondé Barber. You're listening to Ira, I think that's his name, and Clark on the iTest for Two. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're not, let me tell you who we are. This is the I Test for Two podcast. I'm Clark Judge. I'm Ira Kaufman. And we are Hall of Fame voters joined this week, as we are each week, by our Hall of Fame producer, Ian Glendon, who just returned from Las Vegas, where he tried to be our Hall of Fame producer when he entered the World Series of Poker. So, Ian, how'd it go? Did you know when to hold him? And did you know when to fold him? Uh, I, I was I was closer to hitting the wall of shame uh, than I was the wall of fame. Let's put it that way. Uh, no, no, I, I look it. It went pretty well. I wish I could sit here and say that I am a much richer man today, but uh, I am richer in experience, not money. Well, you're much richer because you're with Ira and me today. But what did you like most and least about the experience? And are there any return trips planned? Uh, well. I, I I did enjoy the experience. There was a lot of people. The environment was fun. Um, you get to see uh, all the other different events going on. Um, there really wasn't anything I disliked about it, except for getting knocked out. But that was that's more of a personal problem than anything. And uh, to answer the question, I'll, I'll give two yeses. Yes, there are return trips to Vegas. And yes, I will be trying to participate in one of these events again next year. Because, um, hey, I got to do a little bit better the next time around. So... Well, Ian, good to have you back with us. And Ira, great to have you back with us, too. I know you're in New York City. You'll probably tell us about that later. But thanks so much for bringing a guest with you and talking, of course, about former Tampa Bay coach and now senior football consultant Bruce Arians, who joins us now from his home in Georgia. Bruce, thanks so much for being here. And thanks for coming along with Ira. Don't give him too much grief. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. And uh, never get enough of the guy. (laughs) Bruce I'm going to start off right in your wheelhouse Mr. Arians Uh, this is a very Hall of Fame centric podcast Bruce I'm going to ask you about a guy that you coached and that's very close to your heart and he's trying to get into Canton he's trying and he's trying Bruce give me the case for one of your all-time favorites Heinz Ward who Clark and I both believe belongs in Canton yeah, there's no doubt. You know, I read Mike Thomas' comments about losing the Super Bowl 45 had we yeah. won the game, he'd be in, but that game shouldn't matter. I mean, the guy changed the game. There's rules made on how you block now as a wide receiver because of Heinz Ward. And uh, he wasn't just a great receiver. You know, he's got 1,200, 12,000 yards, 1,000 catches, all those numbers, pass receiving. But there was nobody that was any fierce of a blocker who changed the game uh, like Heinz Ward did. What was he like in the locker room, Bruce? What was he like uh, as a leader? 
Oh, fantastic. I mean, he took care of our room. You know, when I was coaching the receivers, uh, he had a board and he fined everybody for every mental mistake, every drop in practice and doubled it in games. And uh, every now and then I might have to chime in and say, hey, you might have dropped that one. He never dropped a pass in his opinion. You know that. But, uh, you know, he was a fantastic leader and uh, fierce, fierce competitor. Bruce, speaking of the Hall of Fame, and you know this, there, there's some fans out there that just cannot believe, they just, they can't fathom that Bruce Arians would walk away from a team that's favored to win the NFC and, and be in Glendale next February um, and, and a shot at another Super Bowl and it would enhance Bruce Arians' chances for a bust. They, they can't understand that, Bruce. Um, can you explain a little bit more? Uh, was it tough for you to walk away? No, it really wasn't, Ira. I mean, yeah, those things are, are great, but secession was very, very big for me. And it didn't happen in Arizona. Uh, it, it meant the world to me to make sure 34 families had jobs beyond February. Win or lose, um, their Super Bowl wasn't guaranteed. There was nothing guaranteed in February. But uh, now those guys have five-year contracts, and Baton's got a five-year deal. All the assistant coaches are set for the future. I was probably done anyway. And uh, so why not do it now? I, I, I know that uh, a lot of people think the Hall of Fame is the end-all, be-all. And, uh, and it's, if, if it be, man, that would be great. That would be the most unbelievable thing to be able to, to wear a gold jacket. But this meant more to me personally. Bruce, when you were named senior football consultant by the Bucks, you said, quote, the title's pretty good. We'll figure out what the hell it means, unquote. So my question is, A, have you figured it out? And if so, what the hell does it mean? You know, I got that job. It's just, what do you think? It's the, what do you think job? And uh, you know, everybody asked me, what do I think? So <laughs> they get, they, they're getting a brutally honest answer. You know, whether it be Joe Glazier, Jason Light, Todd Bowles, Byron Leffert, whoever it is, what do you think? And uh, so, yeah, it's been fun going to practice, watching and leaning and, you know, learning some more, watching us change, looking at all the new guys. And, uh, man, that draft class is going to be a home run. And uh, so, yeah, really excited going to practice. Look forward to getting to camp. Well, you're in uh, uh, equal company here because each week we look at each other and go, what do you think? <laughs> what do you think? What are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing here? I don't know. Let's get Bruce Arians this week. Hey, you've been coaching since 1975 when you were a grad assistant at Virginia Tech, right? Yep. So what do you think you're going to miss most from coaching? I mean, that's, that's over 45 years. Yeah, that's the beauty of my job. You know, I, I get to be in the locker room. I get to be in, in around the coaches every day and uh, still have a big hand in the draft. So that part of it, the relationships was always the biggest thing for me. You know, building a new team, watching the new guys come in. So that that's that part of it's still there. Now, Sundays might be different sitting upstairs, you know, and uh, can't, I can't. I might be able to still holler loud enough to cuss out the refs from up there. But, uh, you know, I, we had some officials in for, for spring minicamp, and I, I asked them, I said, look, now that I'm not the head coach, you know, if I'm on the sideline and I start cussing you out, are you going to throw the flag? He said, hell yeah, we've been waiting 15 years. <laughs> are you, are you going to be loud enough to cuss out Ira on Sunday? Oh, yeah, always. <laughs> hey, Bruce, uh, Bruce, you, you coached Peyton uh, his first three years uh, as an NFL player. Uh, now you've had Brady for a couple of years, Bruce. They're both very tough to sack, masters of the comeback. Bruce, nobody's in better position to uh, compare and contrast. Uh, what are the commonalities 
between Manning and Brady? No, preparation. I mean, they're both piranhas of information. You cannot feed them enough information. Uh, they have question after question on what could happen in a game. And you better have all the answers. And uh, it, it's demanding, but it's really fun coaching guys like that because they just challenge you every single day. What about this scenario? What are we going to do if this happens? 28 seconds left. We're down by one. They're kicking off. What are we going to do? Here's the plays. Here's how we handle it, you know, with a timeout, without timeout. So, yeah, those, those scenarios, those situational football situations, they both put you in every single week because they might have saw something on tape in another game. How would we handle it? But and fierce, fierce competitors. I mean, uh, their preparation is is unbelievable, but their com their competitive spirit, uh, and that's the same with just about all the great ones I've had. You know, they don't they don't like losing at any cost, no matter what they're playing. What about their physical traits between Brady and Manning, uh, Bruce? I would say very similar. You know, neither one are going to run out of the building. Uh, and, and run around and make plays, but they move so well in the pocket. You know, for a quarterback, for me, just moving two feet to the right, two feet to the left, forward or backwards, and being accurate. Uh, the, not looking at the pass rush. You feel the pass rush. You know how to get, a, get away from it without scrambling and breaking down plays. Uh, they, they're the masters at it. Bruce, what do you feel is going to be your legacy as an NFL coach? Uh, I don't know. Probably no risk it, no biscuit. You know, uh, the way we played the game, the way we coached the game, we played to win, uh, apply pressure at all costs, whether it's offense, defense, or special teams, I would be applying pressure. And uh, I think a straight shooter. And it might be diversity too, Bruce. Yeah, you know, I, I, that, that part of it, uh, the, the, the female coaches, yeah, that was by design. That door needed to be knocked down. And um, now I'm, I'm so happy to see how many women are in the NFL now in different roles and, and it's growing rapidly. Um, the coaches of color, man, they're the best coaches I know. So yeah, having offense, defense, special teams, and assistant head coach all being minorities really wasn't by design. They're the best people I know and the best coaches I know. Um, so, yeah, and I, I think giving young coaches an opportunity, especially former players, I think Thaddeus Lewis is going to be a dynamite coach here in the next five years. We're speaking with Bruce Arians on the I Test for Two podcast. And Bruce, I mentioned you'd been coaching since 1975, which you had as a graduate assistant at Virginia Tech. Where were you happiest and why in your career? Uh, I was always happy everywhere until I got fired. You know, um, that, that, that part of it is never going to change. I, Tampa. I mean, Tampa has been they welcomed our family with open arms and uh, you don't hire 66 year old coaches very often anymore, you know, and, uh, but they shared a vision of, of what a winning culture and foundation looked like. And, um, you know, when we met with them, uh, it was such an easy meeting because everybody, they had, they had seen me coach, they had watched all or nothing. So they knew my style and it, it embraced it, you know? Uh, so, it's going to be a very, very exciting night and very, very emotional night for me to go into the ring of honor when that happens. And, uh, you know, it just, it's just, it's three years has just been fantastic and looking forward to, to the years to come. Well, you, you had mentioned the Hall of Fame earlier, and, and that's not necessarily a big deal to you, but it's not, it seems like the ring of honor is to you. Is there a separation in, in terms of what those are, uh, the significance of those two are for you? Uh, is one yeah. more meaningful than the other? 
Yeah, I, I think, you know, something uh, for me to be honored by organization mm-hmm. um, is, is, is tops. It's tops. It's the biggest you can get to put your name up there with Rondé and, and Allstott and Sapp and Brooks and all the rest, you know, Tony Dungy. And so, I mean, that, that is walking in that stadium in Super Bowl 43, you know, and then now having your name up there in that ring is, is, is that's a, that's, that's as good as it gets for me. Bruce, uh, last two for me. Thanks so much for your time, buddy. Clarks, uh, uh, Bruce, speaking of Rondé, uh, I've got to ask you, you know, he's the one left for me, Bruce. I've gotten some bucks in, gotten a buck coach in. Rondé's hanging out there. Uh, he's close. Uh, and speaking of close, you're very close to Rondé, uh, but I know you can be objective about him. Um, what sets him apart from his contemporaries um, and how surprised are you that uh, he hasn't crossed that line yet? I'm shocked he hasn't crossed it because no one has the numbers. People get tied up with numbers now, but nobody's got better numbers than him. Interceptions, sacks, cause fumbles, everything that, that you talk about, games played, never missed a game, played with a broken arm. I mean, he, he's, he's what the league is all about, you know, and smart, tough, handled himself perfectly throughout his whole career and uh i mean if that's not a hall of fame career i don't know what is last one for me bruce yeah um bruce um let's talk about the um the 2022 bucks for a moment bruce with um number 87 bruce we don't know if the guy's gonna stay retired we saw what happened with brady uh but bruce if, if gronk does not come back if he doesn't how big a blow is that uh, to this organization? Well, it's, 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 uh, it's a step back, that's for sure, because he's a great, great player, Hall of Fame player. Uh, but I really like that room right now. I love the young kids we've got in there. Cam Brate's a good veteran player who Tom really trusts. And, uh, you know, when you're going out to practice and you see where the ball's being distributed, and he, he trusts totally to Cameron Brate, that's for sure. Now, He's not Gronk, you know, that, that size and, and what he brings as a blocker and a receiver, I think is unmatched. Uh, I don't know of another tight end that's blocked and, re- and ran, maybe John Mackey, uh, you know, um, Mike Dick and maybe, but just, you don't replace that guy, but the group, that room, the young guys, Cody McElroy has really been with us three years now. I think it's time for him to break out and be something special. Uh, as a receiver, and uh, yeah, I like that room. Hey, Bruce, what did you learn about Gronk that you didn't know before you, uh, you, you coached him? How hard he worked, how prepared he gets. Uh, he's, he'll, if, if he's any doubt, he's, he'll come in at 6 o'clock in the morning. Hey, Rick Christopher, they would meet all day until he had everything, all his eyes dotted, his T's crossed. I mean, he was tremendous preparation guy. And I never forget the look on his face when I told him, hey, you're not practicing on Thursday. I said, will you take Thursday off or Friday off? He kind of looked at me. I, I never took days off. I said, well, you looked like shit last Sunday. Maybe if you took a day off this week, you look better. And he just cracked up and said, yeah, Coach, that'd be great. <laughs> well, as most of our listeners know, you're not only a coach, you're an author. You wrote a book called The Quarterback Whisperer, How to Build an Elite Quarterback. So I'll ask the dumb question. What exactly is a quarterback whisperer and what does it take to be one? <laughs> my former coach named that book. Uh, it, it, I think it just takes a relationship, uh, an honest, straightforward relationship between the quarterback and the coach, whether he's the head coach, the quarterback coach, 
or the coordinator that you tell each other the truth, you know, and the truth hurts sometimes. But uh, if I'm asking you, where, where are your eyes? What are you looking at? Don't bullshit me. You know, tell me where your eyes so I can get it fixed. And if, if you don't like a play, and I've done this for, God, 20 years now, Friday night, you scratch out the plays you don't want called because mm-hmm. I'm not calling a play you don't like, even though I love the damn thing. And all the coaches, this is a great play. You don't, if you don't hit you right, we ain't calling it. And I did it with Andrew Luck and Ben and all the way back to Tim Couch. And so, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's just a straightforward, honest, hip-to-hip relationship. Uh, and you got to be close. You know, Ben and I used to play golf all the time and just spent different quality time um, together just to build that relationship. Well, as I mentioned, hey, Clark, you coach- I, I, Clark um, yeah. I'm going to do something a little different. I, uh, Bruce, we, we do a thing called I Was There, and it's different games that Clark and I were, memorable games. Uh, this is a game that involves Bruce Arians, uh, uh, Clark, so I'm going to get Bruce involved in this. Bruce, this was your post-game comment. You tell me what game it was. Quote, if the confetti isn't falling on your head, it's a bad year. I never saw this coming. A game like this, I never saw it coming. What game is that, Bruce? Carolina Panthers, Arizona Cardinals. Nasty Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. We were so prepared. Yeah, yep. we, we turned it over about five times, and I was shocked. Uh, it was seven, Bruce. Seven. <laughs> <laughs> Just to make you feel better. <laughs> yeah. uh, you must have, Bruce, you must have thought going in that you were going to win that game. Oh, totally. And we, I thought we had a great plan, and uh, Carson was – he was on fire going into the game. And, uh, you know, and when Carson Palmer feels like he's got a beat on you, I don't know if there's many better uh, as far as just throwing a football. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was shocking to all of us. I'm glad you mentioned that about Carson Palmer. He used to go to the Bengals spring uh, – spring training, the summer training camps, and um, it, it, the ball seldom hit the ground. <laughs> he, was oh. his, he was flawless. I mean, and, and he was his – he technically sounded quarterback that I'd seen in a while. And I thought, boy, this, this team at one time, at some time, got to get to the Super Bowl, right? Well, they, they couldn't win a playoff game with him. And I really thought that you guys would win that game in Carolina. Um, since you mentioned him, and, and I mentioned Brady and Peyton Manning, as people know, you also coach Ben Roethlisberger. They're going into the Hall of Fame. Uh, Carson Palmer was certainly a distinguished quarterback who, uh, at a different time, a different place, could be a Hall of Fame quarterback. But they were already elite quarterbacks um, when you got to them. So how, how much were, were you able to give them or how much can you give an elite quarterback as a coach, Bruce? And, and what was the most demanding exercise that was needed for you to gain the most from each one of those players? Yeah, I like we talked about that, that line of communication, you know, um, understanding how we're attacking the other team. God and your parents gave you all that ability. My job is just direct you in the right direction to beat another team. And for that to happen, you got to have a total understanding of what's going to happen on that game, in that game. And they change week to week, you know, especially veteran coaches like Tom Moore and myself, we kind of know all the defensive coordinators. Now, some of these young guys that you don't know, everything's off a computer now, but uh, so you, you could, you could give them information. As soon as you cross the 50, man, this cat's going to blitz you. Mm-hmm. And just all these little pieces of information so that when they get out there, they're comfortable. Hmm. When the great ones are comfortable, you're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Um, last one for me is going to look back at your history. What in that history, that football experience was your favorite time. What was your favorite time? Oh God. Yeah. The, the year in Indianapolis, you know, that, 
that whole thing with Chuck getting sick, yep. Andrew Luck's rookie year, uh, and what he did. Uh, that that just a that's a storybook year, you know. Um, sat in my car on Christmas Eve because we never turned the light off in Chuck's office until he came back, and he came back Christmas Eve. I just sat out in my car and cried. Right. And it was just such an emotional year. Um, but to win 11 games with that crew, I mean, we had six rookies starting on offense. And uh, it was – but Andrew Luck was amazing. I mean, if, we, if it was within six points, we are going to win the game. Hmm. Yeah, but you were amazing as well. You got a coach of the year as an assistant coach. I mean, that's, that's astounding. I think it was, it was crazy. I mean, and it was all – it was all – when a group of athletes, great athletes, can really have a common cause, they can do great things. And we were going to win for Chuck. And every man, guys would come in off the street. They'd already heard the story. I mean, we're picking guys up on Tuesday. They're playing on Sunday, but they're, they're playing for Chuck. Bruce Arians, thanks so much for the time. Take care of Ivor this fall, will you? Do me a favor. Take care of him. <laughs> you bet. Take care thanks, of Bruce. Bruce. Thank you so much for joining thanks, us. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. That was Bruce Arians, former head coach and now senior consultant with the Tampa Bay Bucks. And Ira, boy, he sounds relaxed, happy, and glad to be away from that Tampa Bay media, I think, huh? You know, Clark, I've been thinking about this. When you're a senior advisor and you were the head coach and now you've got uh, your hand-picked successor, Clark, I'm thinking of what's going through Bruce's mind this fall. I I think, Clark, maybe it's like if if Bowles doesn't ask me for advice, maybe I don't give any. I mean – I, I don't think he wants to hang around uh, Bowles' shoulder. You, you know what I mean? That, that's kind of sensitive. You know, I agree with you. But what may be going through his mind is, how did I miss that three-foot putt on the 17th hole? I mean, that may be <laughs> what's going through his mind. <laughs> hey, wait a minute, Ira. You're not going to get off that easily. Uh-uh. No, just because you snuck in that question with Bruce doesn't mean you're getting off easily with I was there. So I know where you were. I kind of know when you were. But you want to give us some details? Yeah, just uh, uh, quickly, uh, Clark, January 24th, 2016. Now, this was uh, Arian's third year in Arizona. Uh, He was building, you know, a really good team. They were 13 and three, Clark. The problem was Carolina was 15 and one. Yeah, with the MVP. With the league MVP. Yeah, Cam Newton's MVP season. So the Panthers are favored by three at home. And Carson Palmer, who had been so good, Four picks and two lost fumbles, all from him. That's six out of the seven turnovers. The game ended with a pick six by Keekly, just padded it on, 49-15. Carolina moves on to the Super Bowl. Newton threw for two touchdowns. He ran for two touchdowns. He dabbed in the end zone. He did all his theatrics, Clark. And I expected a real tight game, and Clark – it was a beatdown. There was. That was a heck of a Carolina team. But you know what? Den- um, what was it? Denver that got him uh, in, in the Super Bowl? Yeah. Uh, yep. Von, yep. Von yep. Miller. and uh, Von Miller. Cam-, Cam Newton wasn't dabbing that day. He, he was scrambling <laughs> for his life. <laughs> he was. So, Ira, before you start dabbing, do you have any final thoughts for this week? Well, Clark, I just got back from New York, as you know. Uh, seven-day trip. So my brother out there, his son got married. And here's how the trip started, Clark. We had a nine in the morning flight on Friday at nine o'clock at night on Thursday. My phone buzzes. I look at it. Thank you very much, JetBlue. Your flight has been canceled. <laughs> 
to New York. You have no flight. The rehearsal dinner was that night. They tried to get me. It took me two hours to get somebody on the phone. Two hours. And when they finally talked to me at 11 o'clock at night, she could not rebook me that day on JetBlue. And I missed the rehearsal dinner. The bed and breakfast, 300, 300 shekels. Had to pay for it. <laughs> the, the car, another 100 shekels. Had to pay for it. And Clark, we had to get a flight the next day after that at 5 in the morning. Clark, I didn't even know planes left at 5 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but there, there we were going through Charlotte, and that's how the trip started. However, once we got into the city, we saw three shows and a comedy club in five days. Had some great food. And Clark, you know this better than anybody. I hadn't been to the city in a few years. Bicycles everywhere. Bicycles. I can't imagine driving a cab. I don't know how they do it, Clark. Yeah, bicycles, city bikes at the expense of uh, parking spaces, which drives New Yorkers mad. We lived there for 15 years. Or I lived there for 15 years. And I, I love riding bikes. But I also like parking our car on the street. <laughs> hey, quick question for you. What's the exchange rate of shackles to dollars? Uh, one point two to one. One point okay. two to one. All right. Well, I, I've got I've got something that's far apart from New York. I wish we could talk about New York more. I love that city. He used to live there, as I said. But uh, Marlon Briscoe, um, he passed away this week at the age of seventy six. And no, you remember Myra so do I. He uh, he died following a battle with pneumonia. But he was the first black quarterback to start an AFL game. In fact, he started five of them his rookie season in Denver. That was nineteen sixty eight, including one. It was against Buffalo, um, where he threw for 335 yards and four TDs in 1968. And they won, I think it was 34 to 32. He's nicknamed the magician. And I think you can see why from those numbers. But the strange thing, Ira, as you might remember, Denver never envisioned him as a quarterback. They envisioned him as that a wide receiver. Yeah, and so That's he right. asked to, to, to be let go. He, he was. And then he goes to Buffalo where, well, he's not a quarterback. He becomes a wide receiver. And you know what? All right. He was a pretty good one. Um, he, he was a pro bowler with the bills. And then he later went to Miami where he won two Super Bowls. But um, Marlon Briscoe was a tremendous athlete. And his daughter, Angela Merritt, told the AP, she said he made an immense contribution to the sport. And I think he did. A year later, I think Shaq Harris, who was his roommate at one point, uh, started the first AFC game as a black quarterback. So um, a lot of thoughts about Marlon Briscoe, sad about his passing, but he was a, um, a, a landmark bearer. He was a guy who was a pioneer. So um, anyway. Mark, let's, not, Mark, let's not forget that back in the day, as soon as a black quarterback, who was a quarterback in college, entered the league, they could not wait to shift him to another position. That, yeah, that's that right. Is, that was the mindset. That was the mindset. And, and I remember somebody, and I think it might have been Tony Dungy, saying that had Marlon Briscoe been a quarterback today, he would have been a great quarterback. He would have been a Michael, Michael Vick, that kind of quarterback, but would have been a great one. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week. If you want to listen to this or any iTest for Two podcast, just go to fullpresscoverage.com, click on podcast, look for the iTest for Two, and then pull it down, and boom, there we are. If you don't, well, we'll see you right here next week. Thanks so much for listening.